Welcome to the Bay Area Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to make passionate, maturing followers of Jesus from here to the nations. We hope you will be changed by this message and invite you to visit us in the greater Annapolis area. If you would like to learn more about our church and ministries, please visit our website at bayareacc.org. Those are great, aren't they? Real reviews. I especially like the beach ball. Would have loved to have been there for that one. But, uh, well, good morning, everyone. My name is Jeff Supp, and I serve as Executive Pastor of Operation. And it's great to be with you this morning, whether in Easton, online, or here in Annapolis. It's good to, to, to have our morning together. So let me ask you a question. How many of you actually read the reviews? Right? You depend on the reviews when you're buying things and so forth. Those of online, give me a thumbs up. How many of you actually written a review? Not too many here. How about online? If you've written them, give us a thumbs up. So I know that when you look at reviews, you're reading them, you're looking at how many stars things are, whether you're looking at a purchase or a reservation, and you have a threshold. And if there's not like at least four stars, it's out. You're not going. Right? Well, I have, I'm going to help you this morning. I've done a little research with some key purchases before the summer ends and, and fall begins. Right, so for you pool owners that you're looking for that discount on, the, on a, a float, here you go. The inflatable sloth float, vital for your pool. Uh, what's our, how many stars did that get? 3.3. Seriously, did we need the ratings for that? Like, no, we didn't. Okay. For you cooks, we have this very important tool, the meat shredder claw. Meat shredder claw. How many stars does that have? 4.2 stars. Now listen, I think this is probably skewed by guys who wanted to pretend to be Wolverine. Okay, so you don't need to buy this. All right, how about you snack lovers? The finger covers for cheesy foods. How many stars does this get? Four, seriously? I need to gear up before I can eat my snacks? And let's be honest, licking our fingers is just fine anyway, right? Okay. And finally, for you parents who are struggling with your teenager's cell phone use, we found this device, the mobile jail cell. But uh, how many stars? Three stars. And I suspect it's because teens are downloading an app that unlocked the cage. All right? Those teens are smart. You, you got to be careful. Anyway, here's the point. We are reading reviews as a, and looking at ratings to make decisions, right? It's when there's positive reviews and strong ratings, it gives us confidence, right? To buy the product or book the reservation. So we seek wisdom for everyday life, things like that. And this morning, I'm inviting us to seek wisdom for all other aspects of life, the big ones. And so our big idea this morning is finding wisdom requires seeking wisdom. We want to find it. We need to seek it. To live well, we need wisdom. And most of us acquire wisdom the hard way, right? But there's another way. We can seek it in advance and make better decisions, have a better perspective. And if we're honest, we all lack the knowledge, the wisdom, the experience, the character and insight to make good decisions in all of life. But not only do we lack those things, but often we kind of do our process backwards. And here's what I mean. So imagine you go out to dinner tonight and, uh, and it's just awful, right? It's just terrible, 
right there. You get there, you order crab, you discover it's Virginia crab instead of Maryland crab. <laughs> Awful, right? Does Virginia even have crab? Anyway, right? There's no air conditioning. The server ignores you. When your meal finally shows up, you're sure this must have been from the sample, right? Because the portions are so small. It's terrible. You get home, you decide, I'm going to look at the reviews. You log on, sure enough, 1.5 stars, right? What an idiot I am, right? I could have avoided this had I just read the reviews first. Isn't that often how we live life? We seek wisdom after we made the bad decision, after we have ourselves in financial trouble, relational messes, a bad job, the wrong car, the wrong major. Proverbs 8 says we can discover wisdom in advance. Turn with me to Proverbs 8, if you would. We're going to pick up where Brent left off. And remember that Lady Wisdom was seen in the city gates at the town square sharing her knowledge and all of those things. But in chapter 8, we also discover a fascinating dimension that's different in our relationship with Lady Wisdom. Not only is she out there sharing her instruction, but she invites us to something else. Look at verses 34 and 35. It says, blessed is the one who listens to me. Now that, that echoes what we heard before. But look at this next part. Watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Forever finds me, finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. Watching daily at her gates, waiting at her doorpost. You see, we're, we're now at her house. We go to her. We're sitting outside of her house waiting for her because we want to spend time with her. We want to talk to her. We want to kind of ask her questions. We're going to build a relationship with her. She knows us and we know her. We're friends. How often? Daily. This is a pattern, right? It's a routine that has been woven into our lives. It's not occasional. It's not simply on an as-needed basis. It's every day we're stopping by her house to check in, to hear what she has to say. Then listen to what she says in Proverbs 8, 17. She says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Again, seeking diligently and we will find her. This is not casual or passive. It's intentional. So if finding wisdom requires seeking wisdom, what does it look like to diligently seek? And Solomon actually gives us a picture of this in chapter 2. So you flip over to chapter 2. Let me read it to you quickly. He says, verse 1, My son, if you receive my words... Right? If you take them in, believe and apply them, if you treasure up my commandments with you, that is to guard and value them, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, that's orienting, right? Orienting our heart and minds to the truth. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, that's praying, right? Asking boldly, intentionally. And if you seek it like silver and search for it as for a hidden treasure, that's, I understand its value. Um, I'm hunting for it. I'm doing whatever it takes to find it, right? Picture Ben Gates, a national treasure, okay? This kind of searching. Then, see, we have an if-then relationship. All the verses I've read so far, if, then verse five, then, 
you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of his saints. Then you'll understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Verse 20, so you will walk in the way of the good, that is the good people, and keep to the paths of righteous, of the righteous. Finding wisdom requires intentional seeking of wisdom. So how do we do it? Well, I want to look at four ways that we seek wisdom. But before we do that, I want to connect a few dots for us quickly. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's wisdom. And so Lady Wisdom in Proverbs is pointing to him. And therefore, seeking wisdom is really seeking Jesus. Seeking wisdom is seeking Jesus. Now that sounds like the good church answer, doesn't it? But it's true. It's true. What does seeking Jesus mean? It means that we know him personally, that we've put our faith in him. And then we have this relationship and, and for the rest of our lives, we're cultivating this relationship with God and it becomes the top priority of our life is to know him. Seeking Jesus means that I seek his will, right? What is the will of God? How does he want me to live? Seeking Jesus means understanding his heart, that his heart would become my heart, Right? The things that he loves that I would love. The things that he hates I would hate. Understanding his priorities and values, his passions. It means understanding his way, right? his path. What are the principles and the commands that he would have for us that I would walk in his way? It means listening to the Holy Spirit as his spirit talks to us. So we need to seek this wisdom, seek Jesus. And I want to look at four ways to do that. The first is this, is that we need to pray and ask, pray and ask. And we saw that in, Saul, or in Proverbs chapter two, and we also read it of it in James one, five. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it, and it will be given to him. The idea is that we're processing with the Lord, right? We're bringing our concerns, our struggles, our issues. We're bringing him to God, to God and saying, Lord, help me with this situation. I need your wisdom. I need your insight, God. Reveal your truth to me. Now, this assumes humility. Because if we're not humble, we're not going to ask. We think we've got it. Right? But a humble person says, I need God. I need his wisdom. If you're alive with us this morning, what have been some of the circumstances, the issues that you faced that you said, I just need the wisdom of God? Share those with one another. And let me tell you a story. About a month ago, uh, I found myself in a situation where I didn't know what to do. I really was at my end. I, I didn't know what to do. 
So it was a Sunday. I decided I was going to take a walk. And uh, so I was heading towards downtown Annapolis. And maybe you drove by and saw me. And you think, what's wrong with Jeff? He's alone talking to himself. Well, I wasn't really talking to myself. Okay, but I was talking out loud to Jesus. We had a long conversation. And it went something like this. God, I am at the end of my ability. I don't know what to do. I need your wisdom. We had a very long talk that day about an hour and a half walk of me pouring out my thoughts, pouring out my heart to God and saying, Lord, I need your wisdom in this situation. But I think part of our challenge, mine and perhaps yours, is that we don't sit in prayer, right? We don't linger. Um, Remember, Proverbs 8 says that we're waiting by her door. So the idea is we got the lawn chair, right? We break that baby out. We sit down. We're waiting for her. She comes out. We hang out with her, right? We're going to take some time to really talk with her and listen. Same thing with Jesus. We're going to take some time to spend with Jesus and really listen with him. We're putting the chair down. Where's your best spot to pray? If you're online, share that. Where do you go that's the best spot to pray? Maybe it's in a park or someplace in your house or on the back porch. I think sometimes we approach prayer like this. It's like we're jogging. And we know where Lady Wisdom lives, and so we periodically jog down her street, and if she happens to be out, then we'll throw a question to her. Like, hey, Lady Wisdom, what do you think about... And by the time she's answering, we're too far away to hear. And so what's your pattern? Do you jog by or are you breaking out the chair and sitting to listen to Jesus? I want to show you something that Jesus did that is an incredible example for us. Now, it's in Luke chapter 5. You don't need to turn there, but I'll, I'll just tell you the story. So Jesus has a very busy ministry schedule, right? He's healing lots of people, casting demons out. He's preaching. The crowds are all around. They're seeking him out, right? So he's very, very busy. And it says this in verse 16. But he himself would often slip away to the wilderness to pray. He himself would often slip away to the wilderness to pray. Now, I don't know how you receive that. For, for me, it's like, Wow. If the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, needs to often slip away to, to get rid of the rest of the world, to block out the world, to spend time with his Father, to get properly oriented, how much more do I? Diligently seeking wisdom means diligently praying. And in the process, the Holy Spirit is often going to use the scriptures to answer our prayers, right? Which means that we need to actually be in the scriptures. So the second way that we seek wisdom is by studying the Bible. And whenever we're asking for wisdom, really the first question should always be, what does the Bible say? Is there a command or a principle or a truth that applies to my situation? God has already given us the answer in the book. And so what does it say? It is the wisdom voice of God. It's his special revelation. We discover God, his will, his heart. And 2 Timothy, which we've seen in this series already, 
says the scriptures equip us. Look at this, 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, equipped in every good work. And I encourage you this afternoon maybe to, to read Psalm 119 slowly and take in this amazing sweeping look at the power of the word of God in our lives. But for this morning, just one verse, Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Without the word of God, we are walking in the dark. We're walking in the dark. Now, maybe you've walked in the dark at home before, right? But, but this isn't like that. See, because the world is so complex, because it's so broken, and because we're sinners, walking without the word is not like walking in our house in the dark. It's more like walking on the trail in the wilderness in the dark, where there's rocks and trees and animals and cliffs that are going to take us out. Now, I don't know if you've ever hiked at night, but I have, right? And night hiking is really a cool thing. But when I do that, I have a headlamp on my forehead and a really big flashlight. And so that you can see where you're going. When we're not in the word that it can light our path, it's like we're hiking in the wilderness without a light. And injury is all but inevitable. Now, the Bible doesn't just illuminate our path, right? It actually shines a light on the whole world. Here's what I, want, here's what I mean. The Bible helps us to see the world and life through God's eyes. And the truth is that life only makes sense when we see it from his perspective. I need to see life from his perspective. And this is called having a biblical worldview. It means that I see the world as the Bible explains it. And I can't have a biblical worldview if I'm not reading the Bible. If I don't see the world through the lens of the Bible, quite simply, the world doesn't make any sense. Think about it this way. When we're viewing something, where we're standing when we're viewing it totally changes our perspective, right? So think about it this way. I played football in college, and you'll notice if you watch football, and well, hopefully it'll be back, that there's coaches on the sideline, and then there's coaches in this booth way at the top of the stadium. Now, why? Because the coaches at the top of the stadium see the game in an entirely different way. They see everything that's happening in a way that the coaches on the sideline cannot see. And as a player, I'd come off the field, I'd put the headphones on, and I'd talk to the coach in the booth so that he could tell me, this is what's happening. Here's what you cannot see. That's what we're doing when we're getting God's vantage point. He sees it for what it really is. And then he shares it with us through his word. God's vantage point means that we understand life and death the future, our purpose for being here, sin and suffering, relationships, business, parenting, and everything else in life through the God-given lens called the Bible. If we want to be wise, we need to diligently study 
the Bible so we can understand life as God does. And this truly changes everything. Well, the third way that we seek wisdom is to hang out with wise people. Proverbs 13, 20 says it this way, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And the New Testament similarly says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. Here's the idea. We rub off on each other. Just being in each other's company, spending time together, talking, playing, working, our characteristics and traits rub off on one another just as wisdom and foolishness does. If you're online, help me think about ways that we rub off on one another. Think about this one. How about parents and children? Why do children speak the same way their parents do? Right? The same inflection, the same facial expressions. It's because we're rubbing off on them. Right? We don't even have to try. And they sound like us. You sound just like your mom. You sound just like your dad. How does slang culture emerge? A few people start using a word, right, in a certain, a certain way. Then they start posting it on social media. It starts making its way through friend groups. And before you know it, all teenagers and young adults are using that. And the parents have no idea what they're talking about. Right? What, what does that mean? So it's pervasive. There is tremendous power in proximity. But in today's world, proximity also looks like who we're following on social media. Their views, the things that we allow to come into our mind are undoubtedly influencing how we see life. And so I want to encourage you to take a little inventory of the people you have speaking into your life, whether that's through social media or physically in your presence, right? Would they be listed among the godly wise people? And if not you may have just identified a wise people gap in your life. See, we can hang out with people that are not wise as long as we're influencing them, not them, not us. But all of us need people that are wiser than us that we're hanging with and rubbing shoulders with so that their wisdom rubs off on us. To find wisdom, we need wise people that will rub off on us. We need to find them and spend time with them. And the fourth way that we seek wisdom is by seeking wise counsel. Isn't it true that there are so many areas of life that if we would simply include an advisor as part of our process, we would make far better decisions? It's like what I said in the beginning. We read the reviews after we made the purchase, after we visited the restaurant. That doesn't make any sense. Include advisors before the decision, before you commit. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, wow, I've made some really bad decisions. So I'd encourage you to humble yourself and seek counsel to say, how is God going to redeem this? How do I fix this? What do I do now? That's okay, too. But in seeking wisdom, it could be in little things like which car mechanic to go to or carpenter or plumber or dentist or doctor. 
But maybe it's also life-altering decisions, like what college do I go to? Or should I get married? And if you're considering marriage, I actually want to invite you into the premarital process here at Bay Area, where we put an amazing mentor couple alongside of you to work through some materials to say, are you prepared to be married? Are you ready? And let us help you get ready. That's the idea. We find this in Proverbs 15, 22. It says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. What does it mean? By ourselves, failure is much more likely. But with other advisors, with godly wise advisors, we've dramatically increased the potential of success. I want to share a quick story with you. About 18 months ago, I was making a really, really big decision, life-altering decision. So I designed a process that involves six advisors that helped me craft 10 questions that I was going to ask God to, to answer for me. These advisors were people that knew me. They were godly. They wanted God's best for me, and they would tell me the truth, not just what they thought I would want to hear. I then took a few days on a personal retreat with the Lord. I wrote my Bible, another book that was relevant to the issue, my questions. And I read the scriptures. I read the book. I prayed. And I sought the answers to these questions. Over the course of the days, I would revisit my advisors so they could test my thinking. At the conclusion of the days, I believed that the Lord had answered my questions. And with the consensus among the advisors, independent of one another, I believe the Lord was leading me to my answer. I needed his voice and I needed their voice to help me. It was that process that brought me to Bay Area a little over a year ago. When you and I are making important decisions, we need advisors. We need a board, if you will, of godly people with unique skills or just those people that have broad wisdom that we could call on. What are the areas of our lives, the categories, that we should have a wise advisor available to us that we can invite into our lives? If you're online, give us some categories where we would seek counsel. Let me give you a few. How about spiritual issues in our lives or financial or education, home repair, job selection, family dynamics like marriage or parenting? How do we care for aging parents? If you've never done that before, others have, right? Dating, business matters. And if we don't know someone we can ask someone that's wise in other categories, do you know someone that can help me? And they'll say something like this, yeah, I got a guy, right? Somebody's got, everybody's got a guy, right? Or they got a gal, right? Yeah, I got somebody that can help you with that. And this is how we expand our network because we may not know someone in every category. Is it your practice to seek counsel from godly wise people first or second? So what are your next steps in diligently seeking wisdom? Let me suggest a few. First, we need to establish patterns. 
We need to establish patterns to seek wisdom through prayer and Bible reading. For most of us, it takes 30 days to establish a pattern. Now, if you're a morning person, maybe that's in the morning, right? But if you're a night person, the morning's a disaster. And so you meet at night, or maybe your best time is at lunch, where I block out the whole world, and I'm going to have a lunchtime with Jesus. Maybe it's with a, a friend. You're going to read something together. We're going to use chapter a day or some other devotion. We're going to hold each other accountable. We need to create rhythms, patterns. The truth is that most of us, without a pattern, will fail to pray and read on an, in a meaningful way. Secondly, hang with wise people more often. Right? Who are the wise people that you know? Maybe you need to invite them, say, hey, can maybe on a monthly basis we just grab breakfast together, take a walk. Maybe there's someone you need to actually ask you to mentor them. Maybe you need to follow different people on social media that are going to share their walk with God. They are godly. They're going to share their walk with God through that social media, and you're going to get that input from them. Maybe join a missional community or a men's or women's Bible study here at church so that you can find more people, that you can be introduced to people and discover somebody that's wise that can speak into your life. What decisions sit before you today? Have you asked, what does the Bible say that might help me with this decision? Have you prayed? Have you invited wise counsel into your life? Who are those advisors? If you're married, I really want to encourage you to do that together, right? If we need advice, we need an advisor, let's agree together as a married couple with who that would be, someone that we both respect and trust. And maybe you need to actually proactively build your board of advisors. Think, who are these people? Write them down so I can be prepared for when I would need their advice. And one last key. Whatever advisor we have, and if we ever want to be an advisor, we need to be people like Colossians 3.16 says. It says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. That's the kind of advisor we need. So that when we're asking him or her for advice, what comes out of them naturally is the word of God, is God's ideas, God's values and principles. That's the kind of advisors we need and the kind of advisor we need to be. Finding wisdom requires seeking wisdom. Seek it diligently in the right places and you'll find it. And if you don't know where to start, reach out to the church and we will help you find the people you need. Would you pray with me? Lord God, thank you that we can find wisdom, that you invite us to come and ask. Lord, we need you so desperately. We need your wisdom. I pray for people here this morning that need the wisdom of God. They need to hear your voice to understand your truth, Lord. I pray that they would find their way to spending time with you to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you'd bring the wise advisors to them, that they would have the humility to ask. Because none of us is equipped for everything that needs to be done in life. We need other people. Lord, May they bring the right advisors into their life this morning to help them with their decisions, help them overcome previous bad decisions. 
Lord, may your wisdom reside in us that we might receive all the fruit, all the blessing that comes because we discovered wisdom. We discovered Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.